Hi, my name is Pastor Marcus, and I want to welcome you to the Story Church Project podcast, Adventism Redesigned. Our topic of conversation here is the local Adventist church. How can we redesign them to tell their story loud to a culture that's no longer listening? I hope that you're blessed by what you hear and that it inspires you to redesign your local Adventist church today. Hey everyone, it's Marcus here. I'm super excited to be here with you guys today. Welcome to the Story Church Project podcast. And uh, yeah, look, again, as usual, I'm stoked. And I'm stoked because I'm going to be talking about something that I'm super passionate about, and that is church culture. And today specifically, I'm going to I'm gonna talk about how to change church, all right? How to change church. Now, depending on who you are, that is a pretty loaded statement. And so I'm super excited that um, not only am I tackling it, but that I'm not tackling it alone. I'm joined today by the author of the new release, I Am Church. This is a book, new release book, I Am Church, Converting Passion into Praise. Um, his name is Daniel Holder. Um, and, and Daniel, I want to welcome you to the podcast, man. How are you? I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be here. You know when um when people get on stage and they say like I'm really humbled to be here. Yes. I usually think like you really don't know what the word humbled means. <laughs> <laughs> but, but being on this podcast makes me feel like oh maybe I actually do know what it means because so many people, so many huge people have been on the podcast on that stage before them and then just list all of them as they're supposed to be filling those shoes. Yeah, you so. you know that's I I know what you mean, man. I know what you mean, but you know at the same time, um, I think the beautiful thing about it is that when when we do projects like this, when we have conversations like this, we realize that like all of us have have something to bring to the table, and yes. and it, it's really yes. all about Jesus, right? It's really all about just lifting yes. him up. And so, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, before we dive in. Um, who is Daniel Holder? Cool. Um, well, I'm Daniel Holder. Um, I'm married to, my, to the most beautiful woman in my world. Um, her name's Selena Holder. I've got um, two kids, Abigail and Grace. They're three and four, and they are just, you know, encouraging. They they actually wake up every morning and push the world around for me. Um, they're, they're my whole world and my wife. I'm from London, England. Uh I I grew up there. My my dad was a pastor in the South South England Conference for thirty five years, um, and then when I was eighteen, I moved to Oak, moved to Alabama to go to Oakwood. Then I was in the military and moved to um, moved to Boston, and now I'm in seminary in California. That is awesome, Ben. And and um, just just to make sure I get this right, you're currently also um, an Air Force chaplain candidate. Correct. Yeah. So, so yes. still in the military. Still in the military. Yes. In a kind of. Different space. Yes. Well, you know, I gotta, I gotta tell you, man. I think that that's amazing what you're doing because when I was in the army, just the amount of, of spiritual conversations that I had with with these guys, and you know, a lot of people would assume, you know, you got these rough, tough um, guys who just joined the military because they're, you know, not all of them are patriotic. A lot of them are just running away from lots of mess. 
and they join the military and you know and, and they're violent and they're you know um, disciplined and they're tough and, and and most people would think oh these kinds of guys um, they they would never have anything to do with church any sort of interest whatsoever yeah. um, and yet and they're right you know, you'd be right they, they're not interested in church at all but man the amount of God conversations I had with them yeah. Was amazing. Yeah. Would never set foot in my church. No way. But yeah, they're, deep not, they're not interested thirst. in church. Yeah, they're interested in in God. That's right. And it's amazing that we come to a place where they're separate. You know. Yes, and when you contact mortality, you know that question of God is the first thing and pretty much the only thing that pops up. Mm. You know, Absolutely. when you when you see mortality and when you realize that you know your life could be taken and mm. your friends' lives are being taken. You, that question about God comes up. And that's why being a chaplain is such a huge opportunity to be there when someone has that question. Oh, man, look, I, I wish you the best in that. And, and I pray that, you know, God God, you know, opens whatever doors need to be open so you can dive right in there. Because the, the, the field, you know, the, when we talk about, like, the harvest being ripe is so ripe in, in the military, man. And, look, thank you for your service as well, bro. Um, really, really appreciate you. But I got another question for you as we, as we move forward. Uh, I always like to, you know, just kind of throw a bit of a silly question in there um, and just banter with it, you know, for a minute or two. And then and then we'll dive into our, our theme for today. And it's <clears throat> it's this. I've never been to England before. Um, okay. you're, you're from England. You're, you're from, you know, that part of the world that I have long um, wanted to visit, but I, I haven't visited it yet. Um and when I go, I wanna I wanna eat a dessert when I'm there. So I need a recommendation. Like what what's something like a good English dessert? You know, something I couldn't maybe get in in New Jersey or in Australia where I'm at now, um, but I could get it there authentic. What would you say? So, bro, first of all, let me warn you. Um, if you go to England and you try to eat a dessert, it is not going to happen because you're going to eat it and you're going to get a second one and, a third <laughs> one. and you're probably going to gain a lot of weight. That's the reason why I think um, over here, the weight's in pound and over there's in stone because like I'm 200 pound. Like if I went to England and ate a dessert, I'd probably get to be 200 stone. Wow. Um, <laughs> but they're, they're delicious. I love the um, ice cream. The ice cream is so it's more rich and creamier. The yogurts, the parfaits. Um, yeah, when I, to, to be honest, when I'm over here, I pretend to be vegan. When I go over there, I, I don't know anyone, so <laughs> no one can judge me. Oh, there you go, man. That's awesome. I love it, bro. So the parfait. I love the parfait. Parfait, parfaits, the ice cream. I, I like strudel. Okay. Strudel on ice cream. That's German, but I'm sorry. Yeah, hey, look, it's all good, man. You know, the Germans make some good ice cream. What can you do? You know? they, they do. They do. That's awesome, bro. So the parfait. And, and I, did you say the this, this judo? Strudel. Strudel. Okay. okay. It's, it's like a pie with a flaky crust. Oh, ice man. Cream on that. Get out of here. So bro. like instead of apple pie, oh. I get strudel with a flaky crust. There's some ice cream on it. And, uh, you know, it's probably it all if no one was looking. Bro, I got to go to England tomorrow. That just that sounds amazing, man. I gotta go tomorrow. So hey, look, let's let's um let's dive into this conversation because I'm super stoked about this conversation, super excited about it. Um, because we're talking about how to change church, and like I said, that is a statement that depending on who hears it or who reads it is gonna have a lot of baggage, um, either negative or positive. So some people will look at the statement and think how to change church, you know, uh, they, they, they might find it offensive 
um, some some people might find it heretical, you know, <laughs> and some people might look at it and be like, yes, this is the conversation we need we need to be having. Um, so I'm really excited to be diving into this, especially with you, because you've written this book, I Am Church, Converting Passion into Praise, where this is one of the, the main things that you tackle in this book. So I just want to read a quick excerpt, and and then I want to ask you a few questions and just get your thoughts on, on you know, sort of the gist of what you really wanted to communicate in this book. So, so this is from the introduction to your book, um, which, by the way, for those who are listening, I've, I've read the whole thing, and it's really good. At the end, we'll tell you guys where you can get, where you can get a copy of the book. Um, but here's an excerpt from the introduction that I think captures, uh, to a large degree, the heartbeat of your church. And it says this, <clears throat> I quote, I apologize to all who have been judged abused or abandoned by us believers i'm sorry for all the support that was not given all the rebukes that should have been hugs and all the hurt that should have been help and you may be thinking that it's not my fault but since i am my brother's keeper i'll be the one to take the blame i willfully take the fault for transgressions of my fellow christian brothers and sisters if you have experienced hurt by the church I'd like to personally apologize because I am church. Change in the church begins with me. End quote. So, um, wow, man, like absolutely powerful. I, I, I want to start with this question because we're going to visit this topic and, and, and we'll, we'll expand it as we go. Um, but let's start with this. Tell me why you wrote this book. So, um I, I left the church for a while, and I came back. And um, when I came back, I, fa- I found the same things, you know, that didn't, didn't cause me to leave, but they encouraged me. <laughs> yeah. um, and I really, I got, I, I, I got tired of complaining about things and not doing anything about them, you know. Um, everyone's like, yeah, why, why did you do this? Why did you do that? You know, we complain about things that happen in our church, and you know, problems in our church community, but a lot of the time we don't really do anything about them. So I wanted to, you know, be a uh, um, uh, uh, catalyst for change. Mm. So um, I hope that this book would do that. A catalyst for change, but I, I love that because I feel like that's what you're calling, um, that's what you're calling all of us to, all the readers of this book. You're calling us to be. Yeah. That catalyst for change. Now let me yeah, let me definitely. let me jump into that with this next question because I I, I want to like I want to dig into this particularly because our te- our theme today how to change church like I said um, it can be perceived in, in in many different ways some of which uh, probably wouldn't be very positive in, in terms of you know people thinking you know um, the church doesn't need to change or you know um, some people for them change is synonymous with deception or, or going down the wrong path. Um, so so mm-hmm. tell me from, from your perspective, um, you've already answered it to some degree, but I, dig a little deeper. Why do you think the church needs to change? Um, I think that the church needs to change because um, people change. The church, is, um, the church is supposed to be a way for people to be connected to God. And if the church communicates the same way that old people did, you know, new people are going to find church to be um, not relevant to their situation. Mm. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a business major 
I've worked in business and I always look at it like, I always look at it like blockbuster video. Mm. You know, blockbuster video felt that they didn't need to change and um, they did it. <laughs> and look what they are now. I don't know when the last time you went to a blockbuster video. No, they, they've um, all gone out of business here in Perth. It's all Netflix, bro. Yeah, and even even, even those things Netflix, that they created, those red boxes or whatever they were called, yeah, like go and those are gone too. So just Netflix took over. Yeah, and but but all those things still perform the same mission of Blockbuster, providing people videos. But Blockbuster wasn't flexible enough as to change their method while sticking to the same mission. Where our, our mission for the church is to glorify God and to spread spread the message of the gospel. Um, I don't think that our message means that we have to do it in one set way. And the change is just changing the, the medium in which that method, method message is promoted. Yeah, that's right, man. So, so, so what you're like, what you're really saying is it's, it's, it's not the message. And, and I feel like sometimes that's what people freak out about. It's like when you say the church needs to change, you know, sometimes people freak out that we're ultimately trying to change its, its message or its narrative. Um, but what you're yes. saying is, look, we're not talking about the message or the narrative or the theological structure or anything like that. We're, we're talking about the way in which that's delivered to the world. The, the, not, yes. not, the, not the message, but the method is, is what we're discussing here. Would you say that's a good sort of like a good summary? Yes, yes, and the method of um how how it's preached. And I think, I think that the message, the the Jesus says, take up your cross. I think the me the message is um, is almost impersonal right now. Mm. Um, in that we do church on on Sabbaths, and then we go and do our job during the week, and it's like Jesus is left sometimes almost left on Sabbath. You know, as soon as we get, get on the road and someone, someone cuts us off in traffic, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Jesus is not in the car with us no more. <laughs> so true. You know, so I'm, what I'm trying to propose is a, a more pers personal message. And, you know, that's, you know, if you notice on what you, the on the cover of the book, um, I've, it's me, my wife, and my friends, and my daughters. My, mm. Everyone has holes in their hands, and I, you know, I knew that with that image, like some people are gonna be like, "That's heretical," you know, he's going to hell, he's gonna die. But I wanted to portray drastically that um, every Christian portrays Jesus mm. every every day. That's right. And I wanted to have a more personal, personalized message, where. It's like we're not trying to convince people to come to church with us. We're trying to convince people to to meet our friend Jesus. Yeah. Absolutely, man. That's similar to what you said at the at the start of our conversation, Daniel, that um mm -hmm. people are chasing God, thirsting after God, but not necessarily after the church. So there seems to be like a dichotomy. In, in the minds, in the psyche of this culture, of this generation that says we we need God, but he's not there. You know, the, the, the church doesn't have 
something to speak into that sort of need. And so, like, I experienced this all the time when I was in the army with guys who wanted to know about God and they wanted to have Bible study and they wanted to ask questions. And, and they would sit there and I could see their eyes, like the attentiveness, and I, I could see the spirit working on them. But when it came to yeah. church, it was like, no, 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 no. Like, that's, yeah. you know, that's a whole other thing. Like, that's got nothing to do with this, you know? So, yeah, yeah like, that's that's a real crazy thing because what that makes me wonder, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, is what do we do about that? Like, are we trying to bridge the gap and say, yeah, look, the church and God seem like two separate things for you because we've done church wrong. And so we, we need to rethink the way we do church so that people see the connection between those two again. Or are we saying, look, forget church and let's just pursue God, like which – you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I've worded that properly or not, but what would be yeah. The, the yeah, the angle that we're heading at there? So, I'm not trying to get disfellowshipped. I'm definitely <laughs> not saying that God is not in church anymore. I'm I'm definitely not saying you know forget church. Let's just do it our way. Hmm. Um, what I'm pretty much saying in this book is, you know, if you if you like church, good. You know, how can you make make church better? If you don't like church and you can't stand to be there, that's fine. How can we make your relationship with God better? I don't think that um, God is exclusively in the church building or organization. I think that um, I think that there can be a relationship with God outside of church. And people like and church that sounds heretical to a lot of people. They're like, no, you have to go to church. If you love God, God says you must fellowship with other believers. Yeah, that's cool. But, I mean, everyone doesn't want to come to church because church people do some things that aren't, you know, that aren't cool sometimes. And then often we say, listen, you can't leave church because of what the people do because God is there. It doesn't matter about the people. And in saying that, we're, um, we're not validating people's feelings. Mm. You know, sometimes things happen to them where, you know, is they, they don't they don't feel comfortable in church anymore. Mm. And we some I think we have to say that, you know, we're, maybe those things did happen. And we're sorry, but how can how can we, you know, continue your relationship with God? That's right, man. And, you know, you, oh, go on, go on. I thought you were finished. No, I, go ahead. I finished. Well, I, I there's something that you said. That I've got another question that I want to ask you. Um, in, in a minute, but there's something that you said there that I think is absolute key, and I want to milk it. I want to milk it. Um, when 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 someone stops coming to church because they've been hurt, they've been wounded, or, or you know whatever the case might be, um, where uh, typically the the statement is, well, you should go anyways because you don't go for the people, you go for God. Um, yeah. I've I've found that statement to be. Um, really theologically bankrupt really theologically bankrupt and and, and here's the reason why and i, I want to get your thoughts on this i actually wrote an article for this on this um published for the adventist record here in australia um but, uh, it's just called the record not the adventist record but um the um the premise of the article was that you know the, the word church in scripture means group of people mm-hmm. and and when you tell someone you know, if, if, if forget the word church, let's use what it actually means, group of people. You tell someone, it, it makes no sense to, to say to someone, um, you should still come to the group of people because it's not, a, the, the, the group of, it's, it's not about the group of people, it's about God. It, 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 mm-hmm. The statement doesn't make any sense. It's like, well, why is it called, why is the church a group of people if it's not about the people? 
and mm-hmm. and so like I agree, it is ultimately about God. But I feel like that statement, what it does is, in in a way, it victimizes the victims of of you know negative church experiences, and it gives a sort of a pass to the church who's been doing you know mm-hmm. the terrible things. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know. Yeah. We're not gonna we're not gonna change because it's not about us. It's about God. You should just come for God anyway. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I, I feel like it's it's yeah. a really insulting sort of statement. Instead of saying, "Hey, look, it is about God, but it's also about us. It's about the people. It's about yeah. the fellowship." And I'm sorry that we hurt you. And you know what? We need to change. You you don't hear people saying that. You know? It's yeah. Just like, and it doesn't it doesn't encourage people to clean up the, clean up their own mess. It's mm-hmm. kind of saying our mess is okay because. God is above, God is over this mess. Mm. So how you know whatever you tripped up on, God God is over it. So it's your fault. That's right. Yes, exactly. That's exactly how I feel. <laughs> like that statement comes across, man. Um, so I I feel like it's one of those myths. It's one of those myths that we have to put away and and, and look at when when people are hurt. And, you know, like I, I remember going to a church where uh, you know there was a, a real um, sad story where this woman who have been married for for many years and her husband was you know quite popular in the church and well known in the church um <clears throat> but apparently behind closed doors he was very um emotionally disconnected and he had um committed adultery he'd been unfaithful to her um all these different things and the church when when it came when she finally had it and decided to get a divorce the church congregation took his side you know mm-hmm. they took his side um Despite the hypocrisy, despite all they they took his side because he was the popular one and he would preach and he would give Bible studies and people people revered him, right? So they took his side. And that happens, it's sad, it happens when churches do that. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, like so she was really wounded and really hurt and didn't want to come back. Like her relationship with God was an ending. She wasn't saying I want nothing to do with God. She just couldn't, you know, this is, she couldn't come back to the to the church. And and sometimes when people are in this really wounded state, it's it's it impacts not only the way they feel about their local church, it impacts the way they feel about the whole thing. And so what am I supposed to do? Say to her, oh, it's not about the people. It's about, you know what I mean? Like, dude, the people hurt you. And we need to do something about it. We need to address that instead of just saying, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's for God. Come anyway, you know? So, yeah. Well, here's the question that I wanted to ask you. Because um, you mentioned that you left church and um, and then you came back. I, I want to yeah. I wanna explore that a little bit more. Why did you leave? What brought you back? So I didn't really, I didn't like leave. I didn't like dramatically leave. I just stopped going as people do, you know. Um, but I left because I didn't, I, I stopped going because, you know, my, my dad was a pastor and I was like, there's so much drama in the church. Like, how can this drama be here if, if God is here, if these people are doing what God, you know, what are supposed to be the people of God, why are they doing all these foolish things, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I just stopped going. Um, I just stopped, stopped going. Um, I, I, I was drinking, I partied a lot. Um, and the thing that brought me back is um, my dad got cancer and um, while he was on his deathbed, you know, my dad's he was a pastor and he preached all the time. So I heard lots of sermons, but um, I had never really paid attention and looked to see that, you know, life is a sermon. You know, so the sermon of the sermon of life is is what kind of brought me back. 
and made me realize that you know life is far more consequential than you know partying and drinking and you know loving a sports team um having a good career life life like if if you have a good career if you have a good sports team if you party and enjoy life life is over when you die but like the promise you know that i where my dad passed away is that you know we would see him after he died if if we were faithful to god and i just i just came back because i wanted to do that mm. that's awesome man that's powerful so it was it was it was really that the the promise yes the promise that yes. brought you back yeah that's yes. amazing man yes and so you come into the church you come back into the church after being away for years and and you mentioned you know you you sort of re reconnect with this culture with this movement and yeah. and you find a lot of the stuff that was there that influenced your departure to begin with mm -hmm. so what is it that keeps you this time around well um this time around when i came back you know i had been working in business for years and like i realized that a lot of the practices that people do in church that are standard like i would get fired for very quickly at my job and i was like in my mind i was like how can i at the time i was in the air force i was like how can i be more faithful to the air force than i am god how can i be you know about improving the air force's business practices but come to church and do shoddy business practices for God. So I kind of applied, you know, what I, what, I, what I do for my job to how I worship in church. And it's been painful hmm. because that involves changing a lot of the time. Yeah. And um, to be honest, uh, I'm I'm kind of skeptical about Adventism sometimes because we're often we don't like to change. Mm. We're late adopters of 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 new ideas sometimes, and um, we're we're very risk averse. But this is coming from an organization. I'm I'm at the same time I'm very proud of Adventism because we're an organization that came from entrepreneurialism. We came from um a from creating a change in the world in um in the time of when slavery was being abolished in the time when there was no papers and printing we put we gave people literature you know but we've transformed from this entrepreneurial innovative you know loud voice in society into what we are today wow i couldn't have man i i i don't think i could have summarized the um contemporary sort of state of Adventism any better. And, you know, this isn't to say, like, I'm aware of, of amazing Adventists doing amazing things. But when mm -hmm. we look at the general landscape, um, you're absolutely right, man. Like, the sort of the, the ancestors of Adventism were radical. Mm -hmm. And not in a bad way, you know? Like, in a, in a cool way. <laughs> um, yeah. You know the, and you're right. But somewhere along the lines, there's sort of been a shift where we've gone into maintenance mode, 
and and, yeah. and and we're stuck in maintenance mode and that's kind of where we're happy and, and that's kind of what we like and in fact just this last week man um, I, I published um, a blog titled why I criticize Adventism even though I love it and um, now I, I don't criticize Adventism in sort of like a negative toxic way um, yeah. in a positive you know like constructive redemptive way um, and, and I started out the article by you know uh, paraphrasing a text message I received a few months ago uh, by some anonymous person basically telling me that if I didn't like the way the church was that I should leave and, and stop mm -hmm. being so negative about it yeah um, and, and and my response to that text which was anonymous um, I didn't reply to it because I don't reply to anonymous messages um, mm -hmm. but I, I did I did you know it doesn't mean I ignored it um, my, my sort of response to it is that if you really 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 love Adventism mm -hmm. if you if you really do then maintaining the status quo would be the last thing you want to do yeah if you really love it now my contention is that people like this don't really love Adventism they just love what they're comfortable with. That's what they love. They love what they're comfortable with and they don't want to see a change. They don't really love yeah. the movement and its mission. Because if you yeah. love the movement and its mission and you look at the movement and its mission from its onset, you'll see, like you said, it was driven by innovation, entrepreneurship, creativity, God dependence. You know, I mean, it was amazing stuff. Like this tiny little group of embarrassed Millerites could in 155 yeah. years become a 20 million global presence is insane. Yeah, and they didn't they get there by being because they got the day wrong, right? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> they're just <laughs> they a bunch of embarrassed guys. Yeah, they should have hidden yeah. in the hills and never seen the light of day again. But instead, you know, what is Adventism now? You know, a global church yeah. with 20 million members. And I'm not boasting the numbers or, or, or you know, it, it, the point I'm making is they didn't get there by being comfortable. Yeah, they didn't get there by yeah. being comfortable, and so we, 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 you know, like I, I couldn't agree with your assessment anymore, man. Like we need to rediscover that. But here's something that you mentioned in the book. Here's something that you mentioned in the book, and and I want to hit this now as well because when we talk about you know how to change church, I feel like this is one of the the heartbeats that you that you look at in the book. Um, mm -hmm. that changing church requires change in me mm -hmm. that that you know like I, I love the way you know jim Rohn. i don't know if you ever heard of jim Rohn. amazing guy he puts it this way and i'm paraphrasing it because you know i don't remember exactly how he said it but he says that a lot of people they want to change the results without changing the cause of mm -hmm. the results yeah and when the cause is us like we're the cause and so what we're doing yeah. is we want a new result but we don't want to change so yeah. like you know we want our youth to come alive but we don't want to change yeah. we want we want yeah. our churches to come alive but we want yeah. to stay the same and so this is something that i yeah. feel like your book really hits at like how to change church we're talking about this talk about how to change church it fundamentally begins with me yeah. and 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 me changing and, and 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 so talk to me a little bit about that because one of the angles that you hit at that is a change in the way in which we perceive church altogether from a from a, something out there to something that i am which is you know going yeah. back to the title of your book so walk me through that a little bit and you know that 
kind of makes you think of like, you know, often when I pray, you know, when I'm going through a hard time, I ask God like, hey, God, can we just skip to the end? Can we just skip to the lesson? <laughs> you know, but like, you know, I don't think God's ever skipped me to the end. Just mm. give me the lesson. You know, it's, I think the lessons often come from hard times and passion is built from painful situations. And um, I think that, uh, you know, good things just like Adventism comes from disappointment. So I think that um, this kind of thing that we're going through in church right now, you know, is going to birth some passion, something Mm -hmm. passionate. So, you know, I definitely don't think that um, we're in the wrong place. And one thing, one thing that um, that you mentioned a second ago that I was thinking about is um, we, you were talking about criticism and radicalism, mm. um, and there's kind of negative connotations to those words, right? Yep. But um, I don't think there should be at all. Like every single one of the prophets was 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 radical. Like Nathan went into David's chamber and said, "You are the man." Like mm. David probably had so many armed guards in that chamber, <laughs> and Nathan, you know, he should have been scared for his life. But he walked in there and accused the king. Mm. Like all of the prophets did radical things. And I wish I was really smart and could talk about the etymology of the word criticism. But I'm sure back there is um, something to do with correction. God says who he loves, he corrects. Mm. You know, and, you know, I don't, th- I don't think that those are negative words at all. And I think that, um, you know, so the sorry to answer your question, the personalization of of um of of church, I think that um our experience is the vehicle for the gospel. Yep. You know the gospel won't move without our experience because the gospel is a gospel, and this is why I love your story church so much, man, because the gospel is a story. The Bible is a collection of stories and and narratives, but they're a collection of stories and narratives from thousands of years ago. Mm. Which people today may or may not may or may not care about, but they'll care about your story. Mm. And um, when you connect the gospel to um, something that's modern and relevant, such as your story, it moves. It can it can be contagious. And when you connect in, and what I hope to see out of this book is us connecting the gospel not only to our story but to people other people's stories. So how can other people's lives be in- impacted by by what Jesus did for us and and so we're doing for them? Amen. That's awesome, bro. You know, like as you're on that, as you're talking about that, it actually leads into my next question because um like I feel like you've already like you've already, you know, pretty much jumped into it. So I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there. Um I'm an average church member. Um you know, I'm Joe Schmo, who sits in the pew on Sabbath morning, and um, what can I do? How can how can I change church? So get, sort of getting into that practical element, like where can I begin this journey of change? Man, so my dream is for you, the pastor, to be an average church member, mm. and that everyone everyone in the congregation has their own individual ministry. So the pastor's ministry, the pastoral ministry, like pastors, their circle of influence is the church. The church's circle of influence is wherever they go throughout the week. Hmm. 
So um, essentially, every member has more power in the community than you do because only people in the church listen to the pastor, right? That's right, yeah. But, but at, um, at Joe's job, he's an engineer. People respect his opinion. They, see, they look at what he does every day. He has more ministry potential than you in his in his in, in place of employment. Hmm. So um, I'm just encouraging people to um, you know to use that. Yeah. Um, and and you know be a minister 24/7. And sometimes you know if you're not in a career, um, you may have to make that ministry be monetized. Hmm. And um, you know, uh, I'm I'm I, I'm trying to work with people to you know make their business their sustained by you know what it brings in. Yeah, um, I I actually lost you there for about three to four seconds. I don't know if it was a pause or if there was a breakage. Oh, I. I don't know. It was the devil. I apologize. <laughs> what, what, was, what was that saying? Um. So you were talking about like no. you you're trying to help people. Like you talked about like if someone doesn't have a career that they can take their ministry and monetize it, and then from there I kind of lost you for about okay. four to five seconds or something like that. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I don't I don't remember what I, I was saying, but um. I so biz biz kind of not business coaching, but praise coaching converting so like if you haven't got a you know a professional degree you haven't got um you know you can't speak well you can't sing often in church you're not really considered that you know fit for the ministry mm. but like you know my thing is like maybe you can take your lawnmower if you're p- p- passionate about forests flowers like Take what you can do, whatever it is that you have in your hand, and turn it into ministry. Mm. And um, yeah, so my my dream is to um, help people to do that, and to help churches empower people to turn whatever it is in their hand into ministry that impacts the community and the world. Mm. I love it, man. So, so, so what what I hear you saying is that if we want to change church. And I find your answer really interesting because most people would answer that question by looking inward at the church, right? I know, like, at least my inclination would definitely be to answer it like that. Like, someone says, hey, what can I do to change church? You know, I'd, I'd be thinking strategy, structure, leadership. You're just, like, bypassing all that. And you just say, look, wherever you are – Lift Jesus up. That's how you change church. You change church by going out there in your workplace and being an influence for Jesus, wherever that may be, whether you are, you know, have a career or, 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 or whether you just pick up a lawnmower and go help someone. Like, that's how you change church. And, and I got to be honest, for, for me, that's actually – it's simple, but it's radical as well because we, we live in a – we live in an age where where church has almost been, you know, commodified and and, and turned into um, an institution. And so, when we think of changing church, we think, okay, so what policies do I have to change, and 
What yeah. structures do I have to change? And, and there's a place for that. But but I love the simplicity that you're hitting because the average member is not going to you know be able to tap into that. But what you're saying is, look, what really, really, really matters, what church really is, is you. Like your yeah. church. I'm church. And if, and if we can look to Jesus and say, Jesus, how can I be church where I go on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday? We, if we just do that simple act, we will change church. Whether, whether church as an institution wants to be changed or not, it's not going to have a choice. Because you've got these mm-hmm. people who are radically impacting lives for the kingdom of God, just like the early church did. And, and, and just yeah. really reaching out and connecting with people. And it's simple, and it's, and it's manageable, and you can do it in, in whatever way God has gifted you to do it. You can make a change exactly. right there, right then. I love it, bro. Yeah. That's, that's, it's counterintuitive in, in this day and age, but it's beautiful and simple and powerful at the same time. Man, look, um, yeah. we, we're, we're almost out of time here. Okay. Um, so I, I, want to, I, I want people to have the opportunity to leave this interview and say, all right, I got some good stuff, Mr. Daniel Holder, but 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 I need some more. I want to check out your book. Now your book is titled "I Am Church: Converting Passion into Praise." Um, someone wants to get a hold of this book or or even contact you. How can they do it? So um, you can go on my website, which is holderministries.com. Um, I'm on Facebook. My name is Daniel Holder. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Holder Ministry. Um, you can send me an email, Daniel at holderministry.com. You can try and give me a smoke signal, but I probably won't get it. Sorry. <laughs> what about a bat signal? You can try that. You can try that. Try, uh, yeah, be innovative. <laughs> try anything. Yeah, right on. <laughs> just don't just. <laughs> so, so your book. How 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 can I um get a hold of your book? Do I do this at your website? Do I go to a bookstore? Um yeah. So um. If you're well, so if you're in the United States, um, my website. If you're in Australia or England, um, check out uh, Amazon. Um, in England right now, they're out of they're out of stock in Amazon right now. So I'm coming over to bring some to you next month. I'll be in England in October. <laughs> right on. Uh, right and on. I have the, some books with me. That's awesome, bro. Bestseller. Look at that. <laughs> Man, it's the best. It's the bestseller in my house. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, look, man, I, I do want to say this for anyone listening to this podcast. Um, I've read the book. I've read the manuscript. You sent it to me before it was released. Amazing book, guys. Um, something really beautiful to take your leadership team through, um, or your small group through. Uh, you can you can get it. Go through it as a you know like as a small group in your church with your youth, with your elders, whatever it may be. It's it's an absolutely beautiful book. And, and, and not just beautiful in the sense that it says beautiful things, but that the things that it says can radically revolutionize the way in which we approach church and do church and relate to people who have been hurt by church. It's an amazing book in so many ways, and I highly recommend it, guys. Check it out, Amazon.com if you're in Australia, UK. Um, the U.S., Daniel, uh, HolderMinistries.com. Get a copy of the book. Um, share it with your leaders. Uh, I guarantee you, man, you, you'll be really, really blessed by what you read. And, and I was blessed by it, look, as a pastor. Um, and Very so this similar. is one of those books that speaks both to, to, to pastors, to, to, to paid clergy, and to, and to the, you know, the, the average church member. And look, I say that 
you know, with a bit of, you know, hesitation because I agree with you. We're, we're all average church members, you know. Um, but look, absolutely beautiful. Daniel, dude, uh, we have run out of time, man. And I could, like, totally go on much more. But um, I want to thank you so much just for taking the time to, to be here with us today, to talk to us about your experience and about your book and, and, and share and answer some of these some of these tough questions, man. And um, Yeah, thanks for inviting me, man. And thanks for what you're doing with the Story Church. I'm really excited about it. Oh, praise God, man. It's, it, we're all part of this conversation, you know, to bring transformation and healing and, and positive change. And so, yeah, look, once again, thanks again, man. And, and again, guys, the links uh, to the book, to the website, Instagram, all that, it's going to be on the blog. It's going to be on the um, SoundCloud uh, link as well. So make sure you check them out. And thank you for uh, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen to this week's uh, Story Church Project podcast episode. I wish you the best. May you go forth to redesign Adventism to tell our story loud. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Story Church Project podcast. I hope you were blessed. If you haven't had a chance, head over to thestorychurchproject.com to explore. And don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter. I've got a gift that I can send straight to your inbox. It's just for you. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you next week.